this particular passage of Scripture through the centuries has been commentated, parsed, grammatically taken apart, put back together, interpreted hundreds and thousands and even beyond that, probably ten thousands of times because of the interest of not just this particular church at Thyatira, but all of the six churches of Asia Minor. This is the only place that Thyatira is mentioned outside of Acts chapter 16, where you may remember that Paul got redirected. He was about to go into Asia Minor, and he was forbidden to go in there of the Holy Ghost, and he was directed to go into Macedonia. When he got to Macedonia, there was Lydia, a seller of purple from Thyatira. Ironically, that's where they ran into a woman that was filled with the spirit of divination. But outside of Acts chapter number 16, this place, Thyatira, was an actual city of Asia Minor, um, was not mentioned in the word of God. Here, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is analyzing the condition of this church as he did to all of these beginning in chapter 2, verse 1 and going all the way to chapter 3. The majority of these churches had some things that needed to be taken care of. Um, it's a whole other study and one that is bigger than our time together tonight, but it is amazing how much satanic influence was in the majority of these churches of Asia Minor. Um, I mean, when you look at it through apostolic eyes and when you look at it as um, just in relationship to we, what we have today in the 21st century, it's, it's sobering to see how much influence um, not just satanic influence, but just false teaching and false brethren and so so on and so forth. Notice with me um, as we begin to move into this tonight that as the custom of what Jesus was, he begins with uh, praise. He begins with complimenting each church where possible. And that's just God's pedagogy. His pedagogy, his style of instruction is to always begin with the positive. I love that about how God does things. <clears throat> but he doesn't avoid the subject that needs to be dealt with. And then verse number 20, he says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. Um, I don't believe her name was really Jezebel. I believe that there were people probably in that congregation 
Um, all of these congregations started in homes before they moved to probably something bigger, maybe a bigger home or some other type of an environment. But I believe that they all knew one another. I believe that this was not, they were not people that were strangers. I believe that they were people that knew each other. But Jesus called her, that woman, Jezebel. And at the risk of sounding redundant, I want to get that across that I don't believe that her name really was Jezebel. Um, it could have been any number of names that are, that are mentioned in the Word of God, and some of them can be quite illustrative. But nonetheless, Jesus called her Jezebel. And continuing on here, which calleth herself a prophetess. This is indicative of where we're going with all this Um, because it's really not a mystery. It's really not difficult to begin to navigate and get a bigger picture as we start connecting the dots. This cannot be the Jezebel of the Old Testament because she lived approximately 900 years earlier. Okay? Make no mistake about it. There might be somebody out there that is, um, doesn't, doesn't get that or hasn't understood that, but really this is not talking about the woman who was married to Ahab that was the most evil king in the history of the nation of Israel. She lived approximately 900 years earlier and had confrontations with the prophet Elijah, okay? So let's look at some characteristics uh, that are pointed out here about Jesus said that woman, okay? Number one, she calleth herself a prophetess. She was not called by the pastor to be a prophetess. She, she put her own label on what she was going to be. And that was that she was a prophetess. She could have been a prayer warrior. She could have been a soul winner. She could have been somebody that liked to um, help with the ministration of widows and done some benevolent aspect um, of work under the, under the auspices and leading of the Holy Ghost. But no, she calleth herself a prophetess. Number two, she taught and seduced. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1, the Spirit speaketh expressly in latter times that some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to doctrines of devils and seducing. When you're talking about a seducing spirit, you're talking about somebody that has a premeditation about how to do that. Um, Like I'm going to do this and then do that and then do this, and they're, they're, they have a goal, but they have a systematic, premeditated uh, way to try to, to try to hoodwink people, to try to trick them, to try to 
to get them where they want them to be, to teach and seduce. Number number three, she advocated fornication. She advocated fornication. And number four, she advocated the eating of meats sacrificed to idols, what's ironic about number three and four, which is fornication and eating meats uh, sacrificed to idols, were two of the things that the newly formed church in both Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 15, they didn't, they didn't have any more spiritual formation for the New Testament church at that time because it was given by revelation. And so at the time when they met in Acts chapter number 11 and they first learned that the Gentiles had just received the Holy Ghost, there were a lot of Jews that had a hard time with that. Um, this, this was, uh, there's a lot of people that say that Jesus Christ was the stumbling stone and that's exactly, that was prophesied in the Old Testament. But that was not the only stone of stumbling. The other stone of stumbling was that the Gentiles would be co-heirs with the Jews in salvation, okay? And so even in that very first general conference in Acts chapter number 11, there were a lot of Jews that resisted the fact that the Gentiles were receiving the gospel. However, God prevailed and um, the apostles came up with very good sound judgment lest we put any more weight or a yoke on this new church, we've just got some real basics that we want them to avoid. And two of those things were fornication and eating meat offered to idols because it was so prevalent in that day and in that hour. Lastly, in talking about and introducing us to these characteristics that are pointed out here, she was given an opportunity to repent but would not. I can't think personally as somebody that's trying to work out my salvation with fear and trembling, I can't think of anything that would be more fearful to have known that I was given an opportunity to repent and Jesus said that I would not. Let's, let's do a contrast between the characteristics of what, who Jesus calls that woman And let's do a contrast with the characteristics of the original Jezebel. She was the idolatrous wife of King Ahab. She she came from a family uh, of idolaters. She came from the king of of Sidon. Uh, They were Baal worshipers. They were people that, that were totally against Yahweh. And, and the God of the Jews. Um, there was, there was, and there, make no mistake about it, uh, there, was, there was an aggression uh, when it came down to these kinds of things, um, most notably on the side of the Jews because they were instructed by God to not have anything to do with people. But we are removed, we're, we're removed from the greatness of the, of the kingdom of David. And if you read your Bible, you'll understand that the kingdom uh, became more and more decentralized. And it began to give itself to things that God had already warned them against. And so we are not talking about somebody like David or even Solomon at this time. Um, 
And so it created an environment in which the king could feel like he could have anybody he wanted following even Solomon. And so he married Jezebel, knowing that she was an idolatrous. She was a very, she was a conniving person. Uh, she was highly motivated. She was, she had savvy. She knew how to get what she want, wanted. She was not afraid to go after what she wanted. She was an evil woman that hated God. She influenced her husband, who had the backbone of an invertebrate. That means he had no backbone. Invertebrates do not have backbones. She influenced Ahab to worship Baal and to set up high places where they could worship Baal. They, they directly introduced Baal. They, they didn't just introduce it. They thrust Baal into Jewish culture. She was responsible for the killing of the prophets of God. Obadiah, in, in response to this, hid 100 prophets when the killings Hallelujah. Somebody's going to get a spanking. You know, spankings are cool if you really need one. Of course, you don't feel that way if you're getting it, but I digress. She manipulated her husband to steal through treachery the land of Naboth. Very famous story. Um, Naboth has held on to a piece of property that has been in uh, his lineage for generations. He would not give it up, even though it was very close to the palace. And um, so Ahab is whining around and has a long face. When his wife comes home, she says, what's the problem? And so... <laughs> He coughs out this little story that he was not able to get this property that he really, really wants from Naboth because Naboth is really a very upright man with character and integrity, and he's not going to sell something that's been in his lineage for generations to Ahab. So Jezebel comes up with the plan to get that property, and they do get it. Extreme treachery. Elijah was afraid of the declaration, not from Ahab, but from Jezebel. And we're going to talk about that a little bit because this is really the only power that she possessed. But we see Elijah in a cave. Incredible prophet. If not the greatest prophet after John the Baptist, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. 450 prophets of Baal that were directly influenced by Jezebel are killed when they could not produce fire. The real prophet prayed and they became crispy critters. That's a joke. 
Jezebel is ultimately, she meets her demise through the influence of Jehu, where she is thrown out of a window and the dogs eat her flesh, as was prophesied. I know that's a negative story. You're saying, man, I got off work and got cleaned up to come to church for this. Well, it's in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. You came here to hear the word of God, and that's, that's what we came here to talk about. Somebody said, praise the Lord. She was a witch. She was a witch in the sense that she was a vessel for demonic forces. Now, in the word of God, men were called sorcerers and women were called witches. And because idolatry and false gods were so prevalent, witchcraft was very prevalent. One of the interesting things is, is, is that every one of these false gods had a supernatural entity behind it. And what that means is, is whether it was Ashtaroth or Baal or Molech, there was a devil, there was a genuine devil behind that deity that could perform certain things that would reinforce the religious delusion. Okay? But they really didn't have any power. Okay? I mean, they did, but they didn't. They, if, if you had to put it really to a definition, you would say they only had the power that God would give them. But you have to understand that at that time, the reason why the book of Job was the very first book in the Bible is because God was dispelling, okay, all of the people that lived in incredible suspicion of supernatural things. They were incredibly superstitious. When the book of Job was written, most people, this is why, they believed that if you do good, you get good. Right? Are you all with me? That's, okay, if you do good, you get good. Dude, you got good karma. If you do bad things, you get bad things. Right? Okay, that is, that is the fundamental foundation of superstition. If I do good, I get good. If I do bad, I get bad. Right? Okay. Unfortunately, the supernatural forces that were behind that required some of those people to kill their own children. It, it, was, it was incredible how far, how far that went into, into the human experience. The book of Job dispels that when you do good, you get good because here's a good guy that had bad things happen to him. But if you do it God's way, you get double for your trouble. Okay, my, my whole point for bringing that up is during these times, there were real devils. There were real fallen supernatural forces that were behind these deities. Yeah. 
And so it was a real deal. The only usage in the New Testament of witchcraft is found in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Look at the witchcraft is sandwiched between idolatry, which is worshiping or serving anything other than the true living God, and hatred. What does this word mean? It comes from the Greek word pharmakia, which is where we get pharmacy. It literally means medication. But don't feel bad if you took Tylenol tonight because it means magic potion. Magic potions, um, poisons, enchantments, and these kinds of things come from the word witchcraft, which is between idolatry and hatred. In Acts chapter number 8, we have a very famous sorcerer in the word of God. Only mention of him is found in Acts 8, begin reading in verse number 9. But there were, then you might remember that it was Philip that was in Samaria when he ran into Simon the sorcerer. There was a certain man called Simon, which, look at this, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched people. That word bewitched means amaze them. He would, he, would, he would do his little thing to gain control over people because underlying a witch or a sorcerer is the desire to manipulate people. Okay? He bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. He was the only one, supposedly, that could conjure up these special powers. Look at the next verse. To whom they all gave heed, from the last to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. Notice this. He's using witchcraft to accomplish this false identity. To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest. Next verse, please. And to him they had regard because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. It all came to an end when the power of God arrived. When Simon the sorcerer saw people getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, he, it finally dawned on him. This is more power than what I got. In case there's somebody out there that might think for one second that the enemy has more power than what you have as a child of God, the answer is no, no, no. 
Not even close. Not even on your worst day. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I need to introduce this thought. The only real power that magicians, sorcerers, necromancers, witches have is your fear. That is the only power that they possess is the ability to make you afraid. But if you can ever realize that when I'm afraid, I need to realize God has not given me the spirit of fear. But power and love and a sound mind. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise for that. There ain't no magician. There ain't no David Copperfield. There ain't no guy that should be out at Northwest Casino with his act coming in here that's going to scare anybody. Because you set him right there and let him sit through one complete service of a Sunday service here at Cornerstone where the power of the Holy Ghost is moving and he's going to recognize, I don't have power like this. I don't have power that can make people lift their hands. I don't have power that can get people to jump and shout. I don't have power that can cause half of a congregation to run the aisles. I don't have power that can heal. I don't have power that can deliver. I don't have power that can save. Hallelujah. He wanted to give money for that power. And that's where, of course, the apostle Peter rebuked him, being full of bitterness and being a child of the devil. And Simon repented. He came in contact with real authority, and it made authority. This is how weak, this is how weak the power of the devil is on people's lives. When he saw a greater authority and a greater power, he repented. He said, I don't want to be that. Don't let that come on me. I don't. Now, he used to bewitch and amaze other people. Now, here he is. It's, it's ironic. Only God could do this stuff. I want to talk to us. I want to get down a little bit where the rubber meets the road here about this Jezebel stuff. You know, I don't have a problem with a woman that's a prophetess. That's not my problem. I don't have an issue with, I do think it's noteworthy that it was a woman because a woman that is not under authority, as Eve already proved, could easily be duped by a spirit. I'm not getting many amens right now, but this is solid Bible teaching. This is exactly, this is exactly why God said, your husband will have the rule over you. From this point forth, Eve, the husband, it's not control. This is why 
women that are not you tonight, of course. You're spirit-filled and love God and love truth. But this is why women would rebel against this because to them, that represents superiority. The husband is to protect you so that you don't get taken advantage of, so that you don't influence other people because now you're worse off than you ever were before. We've, we've, we've got women in this church that have been used of the Holy Ghost. I thank God for you. I'm not, you don't fit that, okay? Unless you call yourself Jezebel, and then we need to talk about that. If you're gonna name your child something, don't name them Jezebel. I heard of somebody that named their dog Judith. Why would you name your dog Judas? And the way my wife loves that dog, I'm surprised she didn't call him the Apostle Paul or something. I'm just plain old pastor, but the dog would be the Apostle Paul. I don't, I don't want you to think, well, the pastor is, is going to aim this at somebody here tonight. That is no, no. But I understand we had somebody walking around here with a crucifix on Sunday that was trying to rebuke the devil, perform exorcisms in an apostolic church. Okay? You're living in a world full of quacks. Okay? What is a quack? They sound like a duck. They walk like a duck. I got several reports that there was somebody walking around with a crucifix. I don't know if Jesus was on that crucifix. I don't have any preference about that. It wouldn't matter anyway. But they tried to rebuke the devil out of somebody in the prayer room. I understand it was a woman. And then they tried to do that out here in the church service. Pastor, are you upset? No. When you turn on the light, all the bugs come out. When you have real, genuine, apostolic revival, when things are getting, listen, we're still being adjusted. I'm not, I don't want to overstate this. We're still being adjusted. We've only been in this building one year exactly this week or last week, exactly one year. The national average is it takes two and a half years to acclimate. We ain't got two and a half years. We're putting the pedal to the metal. But my point is, is this. As we're continuing, if you think we had crowds like we had over there, this thing here is going to be on a whole nother level. That's where we're going. And the devil's saying, I'm going to try to mess with them before they get there. I, I can see what's going on. I can see God's favor. I can see people. I can, I can see things going. How's Judah doing? I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. Man, when Brother Judah Williams was preaching, um, she was sitting right here, and I thought, man, how's this guy supposed to preach? Give him a break. But he did, he, did he not do phenomenal? Yeah. To, the, to those of you that don't know what's going on, go buy the book. I, I, I'm trying to preach tonight. Okay. I have greatly wondered 
I think I'm onto something tonight. I may not have it all. All the I's dotted and all the T's crossed. But this is, we have the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, so you, you can't really say that it, it was what I'm talking about. And you have the doctrine of Balaam. If he would have said Nico, okay, because the word Nico is a real name and laity, it means conquering the laity. It was just his doctrine that was in two of these congregations and one of them had the doctrine of Balaam. And it didn't say Balaam and it didn't say uh, Nikolai. It just said you have the doctrine of the Nicolaitans and you have the doctrine of Balaam. So that would not be, that's a totally different problem. But it's called this woman Jezebel. Jesus called her Jezebel. Do I believe that she was the Jezebel that existed 900 years earlier? No. That's an impossibility. That's a physical impossibility according to other truths in the Bible. That's appointed man wants to die and then the judgment. So if Jesus called her Jezebel and it wasn't the Jezebel that lived 900 years earlier, then who was it? It was the spirit of that woman that was manifesting itself in that congregation, which means the first human being that completely gave them over in total alignment and possession opens a door in the human dimension to where they become the defining personality forever. And when you see characteristics that were like that original, then you can say, that's the spirit of Jezebel. Are you with me? That not only is in the Bible, that happens in a local church. I re through the years, through the years, this is gonna get a little spooky here for a minute, but you're safe, you're in an apostolic church, and the devil doesn't have any power. Through the years, I've dealt with some real different kind of people. And nobody can be defined until they come in contact with truth. And once you come in contact with truth and how you receive truth and you allow that to affect you and all of the nuances of that, that is what will define you. Like, see, I still believe that the spirit of Judas is in the world, but it's known as the spirit of the Antichrist. Because Judas did not believe he was the Christ. If he, if he did, he would have never known what he did. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 said, if the princes of this world had known, then they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. So it wasn't just Judas, but it was those around Judas that were influencing people to kill Jesus. But I have dealt with certain people through the years that got so adversarial now listen, let me, let me say this as a disclaimer. Um, if somebody says, Pastor, I don't want to go to church here anymore. And I say, okay, why not? Well, you know, your, your personality gets on my nerves. And of course, all of us here tonight can't possibly see how that could ever happen. Don't you? But anyway, I'm just making a point here. If that was to happen... And they went to another apostolic church, I would be okay with that. I'd had to I'd have to be. It's just we live in America. You can do that. Y'all with me? 
But if somebody says, I have a problem with the pastor and I have a problem with this church, and they don't go anywhere, their problem was not with the pastor and it wasn't with the church, it was with God. Do you understand that? Through the years, I have dealt with people that represented the latter, which they would have problems with the church, and what would, ha what would happen is, is the devil would use either that, I'm not talking about possession, in some cases it is, but more often than not, it's a degree of influence, and it would come, it would come right up against a brick wall, which is the pastor. Boom. Not that I would hit him. Hey, that felt pretty good. Just kidding. There was a woman uh, that came to this church. It's always women. I can't help that. I, that's why if you've got a husband that's godly, you need to thank God every day for that man. You need to thank God he gets up, he prays. Come on, this is getting too weak. You way back there in the cheap seat. Thank God for your husband. I shouldn't say that, cheap seats. Those are expensive pews. Ain't no pews in this place that are cheap. Dude, you can't even buy a folding metal chair, man, for less than $30. There was a woman that came to this church that said that she came forward. Uh, there was a sister that's here tonight that actually brought her up to the front. We prayed for her. And she testified that she got healed. We knew something was wrong when the next service came and she, she had the brace on the other leg. It was on the opposite leg. And she said, Pastor, I'd like to get up and explain to the church that God healed me. And I thought, man, this is remarkable. I was, you have, you trust people. I had no reason not to trust her. I let her testify, the church went up in smoke. This is over on Broadway. Not only did we quadruple in numbers on Broadway, but we brought demonic influence into that church. So this woman, you know, da da da, da she'd be doing... She started, she started saying, Pastor, um, I went to my doctor at the Northwest Cancer Center, and we went through a multitude of testing, and he confirmed my healing. I said, wow, that is amazing. She said, he's a Hindu doctor, and he's interested in talking to you. And I'm thinking, man, this could really be something. So um, I said, can you send me his phone number? Well, you know, I don't know. Can you send me an email? Just, ah. At first, I just thought, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll just wait till it opens up, and we'll maybe this is a great thing. And it just went on and on and on. And then I started getting, I started getting emails from this doctor, and he was, it was, it was an Indian, Najuna. Uh, how do you do? And doctor, I'd like to meet you and take it. And he said, I've never seen such miracles. I've come from India. And and uh, this is a powerful thing. I've always wondered about Christianity. And I'm thinking, my God, we're going to have revival. Days turned into weeks. Weeks turned into months. I started, I got a, I got a stack of letters. I still have them. I'm sitting in my office one day. 
And the Spirit of God said, go to the doctor's office that supposedly confirmed her healing. I got all my letters, put them in a manila folder, got in my car, went to the doctor's office, was met just inside. You know, there's a little nurse station there by triage nurse, I suppose, head nurse. I said, uh, can I have a word with you? Just kind of over here, there are people standing around. and Yeah, sure, went over to the side a little bit. I said, do you knew, know a doctor, Nanjuna, na 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, do you know a, a woman named da-da-da-da? Yes, a long time ago she was a patient here. I opened up, I showed her a stack of letters. I said, have these been forged? In disbelief. She read through every single letter. She said, these are 1,000% false. Why? Why would somebody do that? I felt bad. In fact, I prayed about it. I said, God, I, why didn't I have any discernment? I, didn't, I, you know, I should have been able to discern that. I, got, I, was, I was hard on myself. Come to find out, we had a meeting with this woman. I had witnesses there. We, everything was right. I said, um, why did you do this? She said, I wanted you to love me. I said, God already loved you. We already loved you. As a congregation, we already loved you. I said, my recommendation to you is that you... Um, you find another church. Because that degree of being fraudulent is scary. All it would take is a married man to walk by. Pastor, he tried to grab me. It's over. I didn't want that in this congregation. See, I've done a lot of stuff in the back room with these kind of spirits that you guys don't even know about. That woman left this church and went over to the neighboring church in Idaho. And I quote, they threw a party that they finally got somebody from Cornerstone. I called the pastor up. Oh, yeah, you're just sore that you lost them. Better be careful. When it was all done, she had a lawsuit drafted against the District of Idaho, naming the district superintendent, the local pastor, and the United Pentecostal Church International because they would not listen to the man that stopped her. You don't have to do anything. God will send those kind of people to the strongest church in the region to proclaim judgment just to test what the neighboring churches will do. 
the first time it happened. I don't know if it was a, I don't know if it was a deposition from a lawyer or whatever, but she made this statement. My wife can verify this. She said, I went to all these churches. They were just so easy to take her. We got somebody from Cornerstone and Pastor Mayo was the only church that loved me enough to tell me where I really was. My wife can verify every single word of this. I don't know how long ago it was, 10 years ago, whatever it was. No, probably about 15 years ago. Brother John Shoemake. How many of you love Brother John Shoemake? I love Brother John Shoemake. We are, we are brothers from another mother. Pastor in a phenomenal, he just bought a 76,000 square foot building right off Highway 101 in San Jose. He just sent me the text. They're getting ready to start a construction project. Yeah. It's revival time. He and his wife came and stayed with us. Um, he was actually, yeah, he came to preach for us, and they were staying at our home with us. He got up the next morning. We're all, we're all sitting there drinking coffee. He said, man, I didn't even sleep a wink last night. Why? What's going on? He said, God gave me a vision of a witch that is praying against Cornerstone. And I thought, man, this brother needs some coffee. <laughs> Come over here and get some black rifle coffee. He said, no, man. He said, I'm telling you that God showed me everything but her face. He showed me the house she's living in, he showed me the colors on the inside of the house. This, ladies and gentlemen, this stuff is real. He started describing this house where this witch lived, and my wife said, I know exactly who it is because I've been in that house. A year to two years later, Brother John Shoemake, only God can do this stuff. That's, that's why who in their right mind could backslide with the type of excitement that's in an apostolic church? Well, just get in the spirit, man. You'll fight devils. You'll put your foot on their neck. You'll get the victory. You'll win people. I'd be bored, too, if I didn't want to pray and eat all day and just don't want to do nothing. That's not what this was made for. You're going to get bored. You're going to get beat up is what you're going to get because you get into the spirit world with that name on you and you're not going to fight, you're going to get beat up. Okay, let me finish the rest of the story. Two years later, Brother John Shoemake comes to do our Christmas banquet. How many of you remember it was down at the Davenport? Can you lift your hand? One, two, three. Okay, thank you. Brother Muth, were you there? Brother Muth, were you there? Was your wife there? 
I just love those people, don't you? They're a darling couple. Listen to this. We're at the Christmas banquet, and we walk into the main area just to get some fresh air, and that witch is there. Hadn't been in our church for over two years. And she ran right up to me and just, just, I rebuked her in Jesus' name. You got to, you got to understand that this stuff is real. I'm not saying that it doesn't have any power. The only power it has is fear. Okay? I've been to the doctor's office and they gave me their little deal, their little diagnosis. I went to no limits. A man walked up behind me and said, the word of the Lord is, is that there is a witch that's praying against your health and praying against Cornerstone. This just happened three weeks ago. Okay. Two weeks ago, Brother Raul Alviar said, there's a witch. At 7 o'clock this morning, I got a text from a pastor friend of mine that said, Brother Mayo, I've been waiting over a week deciding whether to share this with you, and I just, I needed to share this with you, so here it is. A while back, I was experiencing heart palpitations and insomnia. I went, and I just got down and prayed. God showed me that there was a witch praying against me and praying against our church. Pastor, what are you going to do about it? Not one thing. We're just going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to live for God. We're going to love Jesus. We're going to continue to win souls. We're going to have great church. We ain't stopping for nothing. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do. The devil wants you to think that the the witch has got more power than we got. They can pull out an owl and throw their powder in the air and do their little deal. Honey, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet with us tonight and let's lift our hands and pray together. By the authority of the name of Jesus, we break the back of the forces of darkness Come on, let's pray. My God, there's got to be something worth fighting for. Devil, you ain't going to make me afraid. You're not going to keep me up at night. You're not going to make me worried about what the doctor said. God put me here, and God will see me through. Somebody lift your voice like a trumpet and give him real praise. That might work on the world, but it don't work around here. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world.
Come on, let's continue to pray. Let's break this thing tonight. Let's break the back of it in the name of Jesus. By the authority of the name of Jesus. I rebuke the devil. I rebuke his lies out of your brain. I rebuke his influence and intimidation. And if he can intimidate you, he will manipulate you. Somebody get the victory right now. You've been believing the lies of the devil and they're nothing but a puff of smoke. If he says it, then it means it's not true because he can't do it. Every time we gather together to pray, we need to come in here with the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now, devil, that's just that's just a taste. You keep messing around, we're just gonna go into we're gonna go into spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is not all this. I'll tell you what spiritual warfare is. It's getting in the Holy Ghost. Getting in the Holy Ghost. Getting in the Holy Ghost. Get you need to learn how to get into the Holy Ghost. If you gotta pray an extra five minutes, get into the Holy Ghost. If you gotta get up and get out of your pew and clap your hands and do a little dance, get into the Holy Ghost. That's spiritual warfare. When you get in the Holy Ghost, you're a threat. When you get in the Holy Ghost, you're a weapon. When you get in the Holy Ghost, you're able to challenge principalities and powers, rulers of this darkness of this present world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Some of you ought to quit letting the devil push you around. His lies are so deeply entrenched, you don't feel good about yourself, you don't feel good about anybody else, it's a lie of the devil. Make no mistake about it. He starts showing signs of intimidation. And the root word of intimidation is timidity. If you can be intimidated, then you can be manipulated. And that is exactly the end game of magic, wizards, witches, sorcery, necromancers, everything is to manipulate people against their own will. 
through fear. God does just the opposite. God says, I am not going to make you afraid. I want you to be assured. I want you to have confidence. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing. When you know the book, you greatly minimize the devil's playbook against your life if you know the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about this tonight. Um, I, really, I really believe this stuff. But we don't, we don't specialize on it. Some people specialize on this stuff. We don't specialize on it because God's what we want to specialize. We want to specialize on the things of God. Specialize on the promises of God. Specialize on how to please God. How to live for God. How to do those things. How to understand his ways. In the name of Jesus. One more time, let's lift our hands and praise him. I love you, Jesus. God, open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on every single one of these precious people here tonight. Some of you are still driven by the mistakes that you've made in the past. You need to understand that what the, that is what the blood is for. That's how they overcame them by the blood. What does that mean? That means that every time the devil tried to remind them of what they did, the blood silences the devil. My God, I feel it here tonight. If you're giving yourself to things that are immediately bringing condemnation to you, you need to repent of it. Bible says that they that are begotten of God keepeth themselves and the wicked one touches them not. When you start sinning, when you start doing stuff that you know is wrong, I want to tell you what, this world has been tailor-made by the devil to appeal to every man's flesh. This is one church that's not going to condemn you for making mistakes. But we will expect you to be big enough to hit an altar when you need to and just put the devil on the run and get God back on the throne in your life. There's no need to just sit there in that pew. Weak. I don't understand people sitting in pews for years and then the first minute they get they, they back. So I don't understand that. What have you been doing all that time? Anyway. God loves you. The devil's out to stop you from being a part of this revival. You just got to understand that. God did not want the Apostle Paul. He had Eli Knutson. He did not need the Apostle Peter. He's got Logan Sargent. I could go right down the list. God has us. He loves us. If you ever got a revelation of that love, you'd never be the same. Because nothing transforms like the love of God. Nothing, nothing, nothing. One more time, let's clap our hands and give him great praise. Yeah. My God, I'm not, I'm not done beating up on the devil. Come on, somebody. 
Just take your, the heel of your foot and say, that's where you belong. That goes all the way back to Genesis 3. You're under my foot. My God, we might have revival tonight. I'm going to go ahead and run. To about right here. Come on, don't let these old guys run. You young guys were built for running. Don't you let that elder run by himself. Well, I, don't, I shouldn't have to run. No, you can just stand there if you want to. But this is a victory run. Devil, you thought you had me, but I'm free and I'm staying free. You just go ahead and do the minimums and that's all you're gonna get out of this. But I'm fighting something unseen tonight and I'm gonna let him know, you don't got my hands, you don't got my brain, you don't have my heart, you don't have my feet, you don't have my wallet, you don't have my marriage, you don't have my home, you can't have my children. Come on, even Nana's walking the aisles. There's always, there's always an element that think this, this is unnecessary. Let me tell you what's unnecessary. It's for you to go another day living at a level that's probably not even mediocrity when God has designed and sees for you to live way up here. And the reason why I'm, the reason why I'm, why I'm still saved after 40 years is not because I got a halo and wings. There ain't no halo there. There's just a bunch of blood that washes my garment and I learned, I learned to throw the devil off my trail a long time ago. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and give 100%. If you live for God hard, it'll be easy. If you try to take it easy, it'll be a little bit more difficult. One more time, let's lift our hands. Devil thought he had you. But God, but God, there's miracles taking place. I wish I could tell this congregation that some of the miracles, I don't have permission to say, but I'm telling you, God's on the move. You might as well get some for yourself.
Devil, you go ahead and send that witch doctor in. We'll have him pray through in no time. start seeing this kind of supernatural activity. If in three weeks we're hearing from very valid and completely different disconnected sources that there's a witch, it's more than a witch. Brother Lee Stone King was on an airplane years ago and was sitting next to a person that when the stewardess or whatever offered them food. They said, no, I'm fasting. And Brother Stone King said, you're fasting. Are you fasting for health reasons? They said, no, I'm part of a coven. A coven is a group of witches. And they said that we are praying that Christian leaders fail in America due to immorality. We're praying and fasting that they fall. Can you believe such a thing? I know it's the truth because Brother Lee, I mean, Lee Stone King said it. He happens to be a friend of mine. I wonder if I could get him to come and preach Summit. Oh, he preached, I don't know, half a dozen summits probably back in the day. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm so excited about this conference coming. It's, 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 it's revival time. It just is. Get everything you can. Don't say, well, I've just got enough. That's, don't let your flesh determine your spiritual level. If you'll, if you'll go beyond, God will meet you there. Go beyond your comfort zone. God will meet you there. It's transformative. It's intoxicating. It's wonderful. It's glorious. All right. Love you all. Good night, and God bless.